Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Welcome back to another episode of East Meets West on the Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat podcast and feed. While Central and Saturday Draft Live are all taking their wee breaks for Christmas. Sadly, for us, the East Meets West this time of year is actually one of our busier times because not only do we have the last big tournaments of the year all wrapping up, but now we got to look ahead to early January for Wrestle Kingdom. Always the biggest show we start off the year. A lot of match of the year candidates, you know. You know, you can forget your day ones. We're thinking about the three days of Wrestle Kingdom, but all that's to come. We got to think, look back at the month long, you know, fucking difficult thing to keep up with with the Super Juniors and the World Tag League. You know, I've been trying to mark out the scores here for my notes here, and it was a pain in the arse to put together. But joining me, you know, we, lo- we love watching New Japan, and, you know, we got to put up with some things, and joining me to put up with certain people and to rant about certain people and I'm looking forward to when he gets a chance to as Grant McRobbie. Scott, it has been a wonderful, wonderful time. We have had two tournaments at once. I've been looking very forward to having a big proper rant about a certain house. <laughs> and uh, Trust me, when it happens, it will probably have multiple swear words and I will probably bad, bad mouth some people. It's going to happen. But on the plus side, you know, some good things have happened lately. We've had Spider-Man. We've had best of Super Juniors. We've just also had to deal with the fucking House of Torture. <laughs> See, I'm annoyed that you mentioned House of Torture because you said a certain house. I was going to say, yes, Grant is annoyed as uh, he was sold out. they were sold out of showing for Spider-Man No Way Home, so he had to go watch House of Gucci, which he didn't enjoy. I almost went and saw that until I saw David, <laughs> until I saw the goats like, like reviewing it, and I went, ah, fuck that. That's going to be two and a half hours, and I'm not getting back now. Wait till it comes out in DVD or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I've heard some of David's opinions regarding the films. I'm not sure he's somebody you can you'd always you know judge a film based on. And I'm sure he'll have you know quite come back to my statement because we know he religiously listens. He waits. He's the first person to listen to every episode of East Meets West. A very veritable New Japan expert. Yeah, he doesn't want to come on uh, whenever he's offered. Typical. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, it has been a busy time uh, for you know New Japan, but also for USSR as we've got a lot going on. Uh, you get you through the Christmas period and potential new lockdown, but you can enjoy all of our content, our back catalogue. You've got you know, feature shows. We're getting a New Japan flavour on the feature shows as well, not just here on East Meets West. Where recently we had the best matches from Wrestle Kingdom, and the first show of the new year is going to be uh, a New Japan Mount Rushmore show. I'm very excited for that. But in between them, uh, the final week of the year, we're going to have you know the best, the top ten male and top ten female wrestlers of 2021, hosted by the aforementioned GOAT. Uh, Central and Saturday Night Live, they may have wrapped up for a couple of weeks, but there's still plenty of episodes of that to look at, look back on our back catalogue as, well as, as well as all our interviews, reviews, previews and all sorts. And also stay tuned with the episodes coming out at the end of the year 
on our socials and all any and all updates on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Suplex Retreat. Join the Suplex Retreat community page, take part in polls, answer the goat's question, and also make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can see the latest quiz showdown, a Christmassy themed quiz showdown, where I host Quiz Showdown X7 Christmas Ain't Easy. Uh, an episode that wasn't shy of a bit of controversy as well. So, you know, if you like a bit of controversy in your Christmas, then you're a weird fellow, but you might enjoy Quiz Showdown. But, you know, with all that out of the way, let's let's get into what's been going on in New Japan. Now, all these two tournaments, you know, I think it's only natural that one tournament you're going to favour over the other. I mean, there was a lot of great stuff in last year's Super Juniors, but I thought I slightly favoured World Tag League last year for some of the matches that they put together, uh, even though the finals of Super Juniors blew the World Tag League final out of the water. But this year, I think it can be agreed, not just by... I think it can be agreed by the majority of fans that maybe Super Juniors really was leagues above World Tag League. Yeah. By a clear country mile, best of Super Juniors this year really did. Like, they really impressed me from beginning to end. Whereas World Tag League began to feel more of a slog than listening to Jack Graham complain about Spider Man No Way Home. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't even want to comment on that, but you know, I don't want to spoil it for anybody out listening to this who's been unfortunate to not see the film yet. But. Why, why do you think it is that Super Juniors, you know, it was so good and World Tag League suffered? Is, is it because the World Tag League had the lack of, you know, international talent coming into it? Because really the only international talent you could qualify for World, for Super Juniors, we, you could really say, was like Eagles and ELP. The rest was all like Japan guys. And, or was it just the fact that just the fact they're happening together and like Super Juniors isn't having its usual male spot that's kind of overshadowing what usually would be this time of year? the sole focus on World Tag League? Yeah, I think it's when you put them side by side, the um, the quality of the, the talent involved. You know, World Tag League definitely kind of suffered in regards to, obviously, they, they couldn't get certain talents in that. And looking at the teams, it kind of felt a bit of a, a, for, a foregone conclusion who you would be looking at in your, your kind of top bit. And I'll, I'll be honest, like, the way they kind of booked World Tag League, as we'll probably kind of talk about, is it felt like several teams by the end of it were very, very points heavy. Mm-hmm. Whereas Best of Super Juniors, to me, felt far more unpredictable. Because I think it was like three or four matches in, and I just went, the fuck is Gedo and Smoking when he booked this? How the fuck am I meant to keep up with this? I know. I remember we were just so, like, when we were doing our preview for it, we were like, okay, it could be one of these two or these three with so-and-so coming out the outside as a dark horse pick. And then with World Tag, we were like, ah, it's, it's probably going to be LIG. We were so certain it was going to be LIG. But I think it was weird that like they gave us yeah, an, yeah, an obvious answer. They gave you what seemed like an obvious pick for World Tag League and just run, run the outside. Another pick was slowly but surely picking up points uh, that you didn't realise until towards the end too. We were like, fucking hell, Goto and Yoshihashi have actually been doing quite well this tournament. I know, it's like when you, when you looked at like... Like the the end the end points. I mean, you end up like the winners on eighteen, three teams on sixteen, and three teams on fourteen. That's mm. a pr- that's a pretty fucking that's a pretty fucking tight top. Like that's pretty much like the, over half of the teams involved were like pretty much neck and neck. It was a little bit like unreal. Although they did do some clever bits near the end. I'll give them with some teams being eliminated a little bit earlier than I could have ever guessed happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but I think we're going to start with the Super Juniors, uh, some big highlights and 
stories going through that tournament. We had the story of obviously Rapongi 3K coming into this tournament, you know, them coming in separately, you know, showing now a heel with the House of Torture and Yo, you know, trying to find his foot as a singles guy. And it was a really interesting kind of story they were telling because Yo got a really rough start. He started 0-4, losing to Hiromu in under like three minutes in his first match, losing to Bushi and Doki, who, you know, while they can put on great matches, are often used to get help get other people, you know, scored up. So the fact that he was losing to them was making you think, Jesus, what's happening with, with Yo? Whereas Joe was starting off hot with, you know, getting like, he was up to like eight or so points. He was the early favourite in the tournament. It felt like at one point, oh, well, basically it's a fight for second place where everybody else was probably going to finish the top score, go to the final. It's basically a fight to see who joins him. And then on the fourth night, I believe it was, they show lost to Kanemaru. Kanemaru outsmarted him. Well, on the same night, Joe got his first win by defeating Robbie Eagles. And then Joe got a he got some wins, but then he started picking up more losses. Whereas then Joe, when when Joe got one win, he couldn't not win. He picked up, I think, was seven in a row after that. Very similar to I think Jay White when he qualified for the 2019 uh, G1 final in the B block when he lost, like, lost his first three and then went six in a row to get to the final. So, like, what do you think of this story? Like, I think it was actually a really clever about booking. You know, he talked about you no know, Gato was smoking something. When it came to the World Tag League, but he wasn't smoking it when he came to the World Tag League. He had his thinking head on. Yeah, like when it when it started, I was like, right, showing you are completely like there. There's like, there's going to be a story in there somewhere, um, and it started to make itself very clear very early. Like like some like some of Show's big wins were like El Desperado. He beat he beat he beat Hiromu. You know, he beat some major major players. So you're kind of mm-hmm. like right. Okay, where this is going, and you just seen Yo picking up losses over people. You're like, and I was like, wait, are they? I was like, are they burying Yo? Are they just like completely giving up on them? I was, I just, I was actually like, at first, I was like, thank fuck, I'm not a fan of Rapongi 3K back in the day. Never mind now. <laughs> <laughs> I know, like it really felt like they were, you know, there's a whole Marty, uh, Marty Sean argument with tag teams. It felt like New Japan was telling you, you no know, shows, Mar- it shows Sean. And Yo is Marty, but I think you know when I first saw this, when he was losing like Sadoki and Bushi, I thought, are they just gonna have him lose to everybody and then fight Show on the final night and just beat Show? Just that's his one win, and that's what starts him getting back again. But I actually think the way they did, what then I actually think the way they ended up doing it was much better because it made a lot of sense, especially when you got to see who he was in the final against. And I'll get to that in a bit when we talk about the final, but. You know, it was interesting to see how show like how Yo was picking up these wins. You know, he was he was he first win came against Robbie Eagles, the the former you know, up until recently the former IWGP junior heavyweight champion, one half of the tie champs. And then you had Kanamaru who actually got a good run at the start of the tournament. He was actually tied with Show at, at the top of the, the standings at one point where he kept getting some early wins by tricking people on the outside and winning by count out. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there was there was actually really some clever booking, and like the scores show a much more diverse board mm-hmm. when it came when it came to the best of super juniors. Um, like show and you were definitely sort of two big highlights. There was obviously that big story coming into it. It kind of felt like you really had two big rivalries coming into this. Your big ones were between you and Show and Hiromu and El Desperado, which we will get round to. <laughs> um, but yeah, it kind of felt like those were the kind of big things, whereas. Some other people it just kind of felt like 
were kind of there to pad out the numbers, but at the same time, they didn't. It's almost like they they were like, right, we're going to make this count. Uh, the likes of Eagles and Watto really pulled out some fantastic matches as well. Yeah, I think like, I think the night that uh, these two like Joe got his first loss and Yo got his first one, they were building that night up as a night of surprise because I think on that same show, Watto beat Taguchi and that was seen as a, an upset or was portrayed as an upset back on commentary. Uh, we always pretty much every match going the way you didn't think it was going to go, except for the main event where Hiromu won as was expected of him. Uh, and yeah, I get what you're saying about Watto. Uh, he, I think, really showed that he has really developed, and despite what a lot of people have now kind of taken the piss out of him, you know, for his kind of gimmick and how he's not really went the way that you know his vignettes would have said he would. I'm wondering if him uh, beating Taguchi is the reason that Taguchi seemingly patched him for his Wrestle Kingdom match, because... It felt like the Athmasters were going to be in the the junior tag title scene, and then Taguchi's came in and finally went, oh, it's going to be me and Rocky, like, really? Are you, are you in a huff now because your, your wee pal beat you? I know, I mean, it's like, are you really upset that uh, Japanese Karen, with that haircut, has <laughs> has decided to give you a wee bit of a tanning? It's like, <laughs> you, you can't you can't do this to me, like, put the Athmasters together, putting them there on a the plate for us, mm-hmm. and then not having them go together, but then at the same time, 69th world Junior tag team champion could be Taguchi's. I'm excited. <laughs> it has to be it. It could, it could have been more fitting if you had a tag team with the name Ass in it, even though it's not their official name. We've made it up, but their tag team official name is six or nine. I mean, come on. They know what they're doing with that name. Just remove the or, you'll know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, I've got to say this Tony Khan quite often seems to listen to our little ideas for the Forbidden Door. I suggest the Forbidden Door be opened and we have the Ass Masters V's, the Ass Boys. <laughs> of AEW. <laughs> oh, uh, twenty twenty two make it happen. You know, weirder things have happened this past year. But <laughs> <laughs> talking about how Watto and that were putting out strong matches on top of Taguchi, I mean, I think we did see some instances of you know big match Taguchi as you were hoping for. But who I want to talk about just briefly because we're I'm jumping ahead to look my thing about tournament like standouts and other than the obvious ones that we've already mentioned. But I really think we got big match Doki in this tournament. Because, you know, his first Super Juniors, he only got two points. Then last year, he got four points. And now this year, he's got six points. The, the comeback is on with Doki. Next year, eight points, following year, eventually, give it five, ten years, he'll win best of Super Juniors. I know, like, that, that's thing, like, despite the fact that he only got three wins, he put on some brilliant matches. Like, like big match Doki really went for it. In fact, his match with Hiromu was a standout. It was absolutely outstanding. Although I did love his match with Taguchi just for the uh, the pure fact that Taguchi came out with a pipe of his own. Yeah, it was like made of rubber, wasn't it? Because <laughs> you can buy them in the shop. I was like, oh my god, I want to buy one. <laughs> and it was like it was interesting because he beats uh, Wato, Yo, and Bushi. So not a bad kind of mix because you know Bushi has uh, won both the junior tag and singles belts. Wato's seen as like a up and comer. And Yobe obviously is involved in a big program multiple times in your tag champ. So it's actually strong wins for Doki. And I think it was uh, Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton were joking about you know, what I said here about his points. So if he keeps going this current trajectory, you know, he could be in the front runner for best of Super Juniors 33. <laughs> I mean, that's it. We, we need to like, is Gado doing the most long term of long term bookings that we have ever seen by doing like, a, like an eight year trajectory? To win the best of the Super Juniors. I, I'm going to be all about it. And I want Gino there, damn it. For the, when he finally locks in the Doki Choki 
in the finals, the best of the year, 33 or 34, and finally wins it all. I want Gino to be there, and the world shall rejoice. <laughs> uh, but like you said, it was kind of a more like even spread of like points for the tournament, uh, with the exception of two people who had kind of an odd number of points, and that's because we got something we didn't get to see in the in the G1, even though they kind of teased it would happen a couple of times. But we got a draw in the Super Juniors when we had Hiromo versus Desperado 2, Electric Boogaloo. I think they kind of teased it at the start because they said that their match in the finals was with no time and it went just over 30 minutes. It's like, how are they going to be able to you know, get the other down in under 30 minutes? The answer? They can't. They went to a 30-minute draw just as Desperado was about to get his patented roll-up in but Rarituz couldn't count it because the time limit had already expired. Some people aren't fans of draws. We had a few already this year. You know, in AW, Brian Omega, and more recently, Brian V. Hangman. What were your thoughts on this match, and were you okay with the uh, you know the, the time limit expiring? I absolutely loved it. I absolutely thought it was a fantastic story. Um, my, only, my only worry is we'll probably get round to when we're talking about later events, and that is... It kind of feels to me that they're almost giving us a foregone conclusion to what's potentially going to happen at Wrestle Kingdom, <laughs> but that that's possibly my only my only flaw with it. But I'm I'm I have to admit I think when, with a few draws that we've seen in some big matches lately, whether it was Omega Danielson, Hangman Danielson, or or this match, the draws have been told absolutely beautifully. They've made them count and they've made them mean something because this draw to me it completely threw things all over the place because. It kind of put these two quite a bit behind some of the others at the time on points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Hiromi was an early favourite. Like he won his first night match, but then he lost the second night to show. But then he started picking up more wins. Whereas Desperado actually at one point was on the lower on the lower end of the scoreboard, despite being the junior heavyweight champion. But he was kind of alternating main events with Hiromi each night, so he was presented strong. Uh, and then you got to this draw, which. I appreciated more because unlike the bloody G1, not every match was going you know, around the 25-plus minute mark as you know, G1 was. But my biggest complaint about that tournament was that some of the matches felt like they went far longer than they needed to. Whereas a lot of these matches, if they didn't need to be realistically be 10 minutes more, then they went under 10 minutes. If they needed to be 15 minutes, they were just 15 minutes. So it made the fact that these two went the distance all the more impressive and all, all the more nail-biting that you think, oh, where is this going to go? How is this? And then the fact that yeah, now they're on an odd number, how is this going to affect them? Because Shingo finished on an odd number because he got counted out at the finals, whereas if he'd won uh, that night at the A-block final, there was still a chance he could have went through to the final. Yeah, that's, that, that, that is a good point. Like they, they never made the matches go longer than they And don't get me wrong, they had their fair share of like over 20, almost going to the 30-minute matches, but it didn't feel like we'd done it for every single match. There was pace, there was a, there was reasonability around it, which made it much more enjoyable, because that, that was a big issue for the G1 for me this year, was just, they were kind of like, right, we've not got as many matches every night. That's brilliant. But we're going to make them longer. No, no, no. I never said I wanted that. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think that night of Super Juniors where they had the draw, I think that may have been my favourite night of the whole tournament because the semi-main event match was Eagles versus ELP. Obviously, they got the history from when Eagles left uh, Bullet Club to go to uh, Chaos and you had e- Eagles finally getting the win over 
Desperado. Oh, oh Eagles finally got the win over this. Fucking hell. Yeah, you call him Desperado. Yeah, two people in this tournament with the L's at the start, and every time I think I'm going to get it you know, correct, I, I don't. ELP finally lost to Eagles. Eagles kind of felt like he got that redemption there uh, and keeps that going. So those two matches, you know, I've really felt like it was so bad for either one could have won with Eagles versus Phantasmo, and then he had the, the draw. So those two matches back to back made him two of my favourites of the whole tournament. Yeah, I mean, they were definitely solid matches, and El Phantasmo was probably involved in my, like, well, if I, if I go outside, because the draw was my favourite match of the tournament, but my other favourite match of the tournament had El Phantasmo in it, for one reason, and one reason alone. He kicked him in the balls! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he beat Show via submission, despite the fact Show wasn't in a submission, but he verbally gave up because Phantasmo kicked him in the balls with his, uh, his loaded boots. Like, a sudden death, which was so sudden, I'm pretty sure Show can't have kids anymore. I was going to say that. The sudden death referred to the sudden death of the future children of of Show. Like, even if he is able to have children, the children will be worn with headaches because he's been kicked so hard by Phantasmo. <laughs> he also, also had a weird journey in the tournament because I think he kept losing matches because he was so obsessed with trying to pull out a one-winged angel. He keeps doing like the moves from like former Bullet Club years, like he went for the sales clash all the time, and he tries to go for the one-winged angel, which he had never properly hit. Uh, he even had that match with Ishimori, which I loved, where they implied that yeah, Ishimori stole the thing that he loads his boot with, but Ishimori couldn't go through with kicking him uh, with the boot, which allowed AOP to win. And then AOP teased the more friction in Bullet Club when he almost kinda but didn't call out Jay White. Yeah, they've they're definitely planted the seeds there because ELP pretty much put it's like Wrestle Kingdom, I will be there, the future of Bullet Club. And I was like, if this fucker pulls out a Blade Runner during this tournament, it is going to go off big time. I know. And then he and then he teased that he was going to hit it, but then I think it got countered. But like when he got him in a position, there was, if the crowd could have made noise, there would have been a loud, oh, in the building. And if and if I was there in that building and done it, you would have heard a loud, Oh yeah, bastard, he actually done it. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's really weird to see where Bullock's gonna go and you know, eventually, you know especially if she ever actually comes back to bloody Japan. And I know it's very weird because like the only thing I've seen Jay book for it I've seen his book for like the he's got matches announced for the uh, the new beginning show in the US. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just it's like the uh, the US of J Open Challenge or something like that. So uh-huh. I, I honestly get this feeling that we're not going to see J back in the ja- in, in a ring in Japan anytime soon. And I'm wondering if, is this going to lead to a bigger story with Bullet Club being like, "Fuck you, there, there, you're our leader, <laughs> get back." I know he's maybe the leader, and I've, I've missed him dearly because I've not had a chance to watch a lot of the the US stuff, so I don't get to see enough J White. No, my regular New Japan watching. Yeah, it's been a very, and it's just been because of these tournaments. I'll be honest, I'm I'm slightly behind on strong for a change because it's just been so much to watch. It yeah. has been unreal. <laughs> I know you had the match with Christopher Daniels at the Nemesis Stevens, and I don't think the episode is there yet. But I don't, so I'll try and make time for an hour because you know Christopher Daniels is an early, you know, fifties, and he's still more athletic than I could ever be, and I'm in my mid twenties here. I know he's. he's 
he's like he's like one of the Kernahans became even more athletic <laughs> and bolder, if that's even possible. Yeah, I've seen the. I've, we don't know what Gary gets up to on his trips to London, you know. It's a, it's a transition. You go from Derek to Gary to Christopher Daniels, and boom. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the evolution of a Pokemon. Exactly. <laughs> But uh, moving over slightly to uh, to World Tag League, uh, one of the main highlights involve like, the fact that something we were excited about, the return of Takamichi Noku, who made his return in the tournament on the first night, they faced, he and Suzuki faced off against Danger Attackers, and Suzuki basically let Taka get battered, basically, for his sins, and he eventually couldn't get up again, so via referee stoppage, Danger Attackers won the match, and they seemingly welcomed him back into the into the group, uh, but then he and Suzuki went on to have no wins. Like of all the teams to go winless, I did not think Minoru Suzuki would be on it. I know, and I, all I could think the whole time I was like, Taka, don't do this. He will kill you. I get the feeling he'll do it. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he'll murder you. Oh, oh God, Taka's done it again. He's lost again. Oh shit, he shit the bed. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I've seen anybody go winless. Not outside of like when their young line gets put in a tournament. Like, I don't think I've seen someone go winless in such a long time. Like even even the guy and Tiger Mask got at least one win. I know it's like even like you could even compare it to like the G one. It's like even Yujiro got a win in the G one. Even Yoshihashi got a win in the G one. Even Chase Owens got a win. I know got a fucking win over over Tanahashi. What's going on in this world? But Taka. And then, Chase, and then Jason Fowley finished with 12 points. I, know, I, was, I was like, before this tournament, I'm pretty sure I wrote them off right from the beginning and the end of the tournament. I was like, how many points did they get? Mm-hmm. I think sure Hanari lost the, uh, the Chase and Fowley when he was with Team with Tanahashi. I think that he automatically eliminated Tanahashi and uh, Hanari in the last year's tournament. And then the first night of this year's tournament, he and Okan fight Jason Fowley. And then he lost again. So somehow Chase and Fally are the kryptonite to Aaron Hanari. Hanari could not get a win when he's across the road from those two. I know. I was just like, what the fuck is going on here? I was like, this this isn't right. But I mean, yeah, like the like the, the wins just seem to like some teams just racked them up ridiculously. I'm looking at Go Goto and Yoshihashi's like wins, and I'm like, oh yeah, they won that. They won that. Oh, they won. Oh yeah, they only lost one. Fucking hell. Yeah, they lost once. Uh, I think they might have gotten a win over uh, the House of Torture. I think the House of Torture lost three times. Uh, I think they lost to Hanari and uh, Hanari and uh, Okan, and I believe they might have lost to Chase Owens and Valley. I think this is Chase getting his revenge from you know them screwing him over in the G1, which you know I was I was very much rooting for for them. Basically, I was rooting for anything that went against the House of Torture. But I was especially rooting for Valley and Chase to get one over on them because like. I evil try your shape with Dick Togo when big the, the generals are around. I know that's that was beautiful. It's like Fally and Owens and uh, also the uh, losing to the the absolutely coolest tag team in the planet that is Tanahashi and Yano. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come out with the very stylish jackets. I can't believe that. I was like the jackets, the haircuts. What is going on here? This yeah. is a bit weird. They keep referencing. Kevin and Kelly keep referencing like Cowboy Bebop in their tag team, which. Would help if I'd actually watched Cowboy Bebop, either the anime or the new like Netflix version. But you know, I'm 
I'm not the audience for this. It was lost on me. Uh, it was just a. It was just an absolute fucking weird. Like some some of the results in, the, in this like world tag, like I have to admit, baffle my brain still. <laughs> I know. Absolutely. But you know, at least Tanari and Okan feel like a genuine tag team. They've got a. They've got an actual tag team finisher, which looks pretty cool. And notably, the only times they won were when they actually got to hit it. So that's the thing with New Japan. You might not, you can have kill finishers, but like they protect you. So like the matches, you don't have to move in. Those are not the matches you win. I, know, I actually have to add, after that, like Okan and Hanari, thinking of the whole United Empire unit going forward with the four of them. I love the idea of them being the tag team, having Cobb and Osprey be your singles guys, because Okan and Hanari both have weaknesses, but they seem to cover them up pretty well together. Whereas the other two, they don't need that. Osprey and Cobb can go on their own without a bother. I think it would be cool, I think, if you had the Empire go after the, the six-man belts where you either have Osprey teaming with Ozzy Open or he teams with Cobb and TJ. I keep forgetting they've got TJP. I know. God, I hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but do you hate him more than you hate the House of Torture? Because I want to talk about the House of Torture next because we came to the middle point of the tournament where there were two big losses for LIG back to back where I started to think oh, maybe this isn't as clear cut as it, it may appear but I started to think maybe G.O.D. will go through and they'll face something and then it became clear that House of Torture were kicking out wins I went oh, I see what they're doing here they're going to put House of Torture in the final so that whoever hopefully beats them seems bigger like a bigger result and gets a bigger reaction you know in the process like whenever they used to put Roman uh, at the final two of the Royal Rumble when nobody used to like him. Uh, then all the whole time, I'm not noticing that oh, across, who's coming up from the outside. Here comes Goto and Yoshiashi breaking at wins. They finished on 18 points. I thought that was unreal. Nine wins and a single loss. And the only loss they had was to the House of Fucking Torture. <laughs> Who they then beat in the finals. And then, you know. I like, I think that's one thing I like about the single block format when you have the only person you lose, when the only people you lose to, you meet in the finals and then you're able to beat them. Because that's what Hiromu did to Desperado last year. It's, it's, I, I just have to get, get out of my system because House of Torture just fucking ruin every match they're in with their constant bullshit shenanigans to the point that even the fact that there was a, a, talk, a report that Dick Togo. I'm not going to say what what the result of the match in question is or what match it exactly is, but Dick Togo actually put forward a booking for an interruption in a match. One of the people in the match went, are you fucking kidding me? Don't want that. They still went with the, the interruption. Fuck Dick Togo. He is ruining, ruining good matches with his absolute bullshit and his lights on and off. If he wants to turn the lights on and off, he can fucking go home and get a clapper like anyone else. Okay, okay. I believe at one point they, had, they even got show involved, show, like, turn the lights off, like, I feel, I feel like, yeah, at one point it seemed like, yeah, both House of Torture would be represented in both finals, which I know caused a, a sense of dread in a lot of people. I wouldn't have minded if show got through, but, you know, Evil and Yujiro can just get to fuck. I know, this is what really annoys me about the House of Torture, too. I really, I still want to like Yujiro, I really do, because... You know, he's had a couple of good little redemption stories throughout the last couple of G1s. Good old Big Huge. He's been really fun. But Evil, Evil needs to fucking go. He is really, really just, like, having him go over, I, th- I still think is one of the worst booking decisions I've seen in the last couple of years in hindsight. 
Yeah, 100%. I think we're going to get to that, Max. You talked about the interference and in, in a little bit, but I did like the fact that they did end up lining up in the final, like the match that they won to get through came at the expense of LIG, uh, which, you know, keeps that, you know, story going, going that they wrapped up last year with him and Sonata. But because you had on one side him and Sonata, you know, former partners, they both won World Tag League before. And then you had Jujuro and Naito on opposite ends, both used to be a team years ago in Team No, no Limit. We got to see a lot about that match that we were sadly robbed of in the uh, in the G1 because you know when when Naito was still in the tournament, you know that was the one match Yujo was going to have that I was interested in, and then Zack Sabre Jr. had to go and stomp on Naito's leg and take it away. I know, hey, bloody ZSG just had to ruin it like Boris Johnson bloody ruined <laughs> ZSG's runs. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like it was it was one of those things. I was like, as soon as I saw House of Torch in LIG, I just had this gut feeling. I was like, they're going to fucking put House of Torture over here, aren't they? It's gonna end up me, and yeah, I did. I did do it. I, I was watching it at my work, and I, as the match finished, I put my headset down from my desk. I said, "I'm going to the toilet," and as soon as I left the, the office, I shouted, "Fuck you, Gato! You just <laughs> had to let Sonada night open it fucking once." <laughs> I know it felt like it was. They felt like the obvious wins when the tournament started, and I can just imagine you. Like, it's like when Homer gets the note back from Mr. Burns and his name's not on it and he goes, children, I'd like you to go outside for a moment. And it just cuts up when I see, I see he says, fuck! And it just echoes throughout the whole neighbourhood. That that was literally me. I was so raging. I was just like, I was like, I was like, what is what is Gato got against LIG? Did did Naito like shake his kettle or something? <laughs> did, he, did he pull a tacker? Did he shag his missus? Oh God, that would be that would be even worse. In, in Japan, that's pro- that's probably considered worse than shaking in someone's kettle. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I really thought God was gonna have a chance to like go through, but no, they by saying the finals came around, they were already eliminated. So their win over the United Empire didn't do much for them, but it did help them play spoiler to Empire, who were technically still alive. So they got that one to kind of rob them of the final. And then they said that like if LIG had managed to keep as a torture to a draw. Or they'd won, then they would have been through. So basically, it was a must-win thing for House of Torture. So they ended up winning. But then they said, "Oh yeah, but actually, given the point scores, if uh, the final between Dangerous Takers, the final match of the night between Dangerous Takers and Chaos goes to a draw, oh, both of those teams are just gonna have a rematch in the final." Like, how is it getting to this point where the last two matches might have to rely on draws for people to go through? And like, I'm kind of glad they didn't go to a draw because that would have just been pointless. Where they have a match against the champions to go to the finals against the champions, beat them, to then have to fight the champions again at Wrestle Kingdom. So the whole convoluted way they got to Yoshihashi and go get into the finals was a bit like stupid. But I'm actually glad they got to the finals because it meant that we had somebody to root against over House of Torture. And I think Gero is really just trying to fuck with you because like you he said you take the piss out of Yoshihashi. So he goes, Ah, I know who you hate more than Yoshihashi. It's like it's like oh well I've got to choose the lesser of two evils here I've got to, I've got to either side with evil or I've got to side with Yoshihashi. Mm-hmm. It's it's just honestly it's like making me decide like who's who's the bigger spoiler of fun Jack Graham or Stephen Wilson? <laughs> Would I like to be kicked in the right testicle or the left testicle? Exactly at this rate I may as well take both because either way I'm not going to win. <laughs> <laughs> I may as well just get ALP to kick me in both because you know what the. I don't want to bring children into this world. 
I can't bring children into a world where House of Torture gets such strong booking. It's just not fair. And I think, uh, you know, once I actually looked at it and once I realised that this was probably what was going to happen, it actually started to make sense and that, you know, the thing with EC and Goto is really what's been led to the resurgence of Yoshihashi, you know, with the six-man titles getting, having that successful run where two of their only three losses came at the hands of the House of Torture. They lost to the House of Torture early in the tournament but then came back to go up to 18 points and then overcame House of Torture again in the finals to earn a tie title shot. And I actually think this is going to work out for them because, you know, they've already had title shots against Sanger's Tigers and basically they seem to kind of look down on them and uh, ZSJ has already complained, like, no, you didn't pin me. I, I kicked out too. I got my shoulder up. So there's a story there for going into the match at Wrestle Kingdom. So actually, they've actually managed to tell a compelling story around Yoshihashi. And I'm weirdly rooting for Yoshihashi. Uh, there, there's still something that I can't deal with Yoshihashi that's been pointed out to me by one of my pals. And when you see it, you will never unsee it as well. And that is in the promo picture they have decided to use for the Wrestle Kingdom match. Yoshihashi, who normally carries a bow staff, has a face like a mask from Bow Selector. <laughs> I, I, I had not seen that, but thank you for, for pointing that out to me. Thank you. <laughs> it will ruin your year. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen, but uh, Bushi actually has been saying, like, uh, in interviews, they basically, you know, if it wasn't, if uh, Kota didn't came back to New Japan, then eventually he wouldn't have this team with him. And he said, and he, he's basically crediting all the success he's having to Hiroki Goto, which is, like, nice to hear. Goto deserves it. Goto is an absolute force. And I think people sometimes forget the, the sort of the accomplishments Goto has had over the years because like obviously like the likes of Kenny Omega and stuff like that came in made a big name but that kind of mid 2010s Goto was a top top guy mm-hmm. yeah totally and it was interesting because they said on either side of the finals you had Goto who had won the, t- the tournament twice with Carl Anderson and Shibata and you had uh, Evil who had won twice with Sanaz so either way we were going to have the first ever like like, I don't know first ever, but you're going to have a three-time winner. So yeah, Goto is now a three-time World Tag League winner and a three-time New Japan Cup winner, which is a unique accolade he can take. One of these days, maybe, oh, I was going to say maybe one day he won a G1. I forgot he has won a G1, but you know, he was back in the weird days where they didn't give you a title shot for it. Yeah, such a, such a weird thing, but it does show like Goto has such a long-running history, and he is a completely, I, I feel that these days people do not give him enough appreciation for what he can do in the ring. Yeah, because you have to take a sign to actually break it down what he has accomplished. He has, I think he probably is one of the most accomplished wrestlers that New Japan has right now. Without a doubt. Um, one of the longest running big accolades can always be reliably, like one of these people, like, but one of these people will always be known as never really quite held the big the big belt. Mm-hmm. But, my God, he always, always he always worked hard towards it, and he always made sure that like he put in a great match with whoever he was up against. Something I wasn't expecting uh, at this, uh, in this match between uh, Chaos and House of Torture, he had also the UFE getting knocked down, and then in comes Victor Aspire, and then who comes to save the day? Our shining, our bright, our white knight, the Stone Pitbull Tomohiro Ishii is back in Japan, and he comes to chase them away. Like, I've never been happier. I'm always happy to see Ishii, but I was 10 times happier than I usually would be to see Ishii at this moment. I know, like, when when he came around there, I was like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, Ishii's back, he's finally fucking back from America, yeah, dancer. <laughs> go on, go on, drop, pick, 
get that get that bloody Dick Dogo drop on his head, brain buster. That's it. Hit him with the brain buster. Hit him with the brain buster. You have beauty. <laughs> kick him, kick him till he dies. Kick him in the balls. <laughs> uh, we're moving away to uh, back over to you know Super Juniors, where uh, it came down to the last three matches really on the final night, where the first of those three came down to Show versus Yo. And you know, I always felt like this was going to like play a factor in that. Like I feel like I, I didn't assume either we're going to go to the final. I figured that Show would come close to the final, and Joe would be like a few less than, but he would get the win over him to kind of spoil Show's chances. But this ended up being very similar to like what we had with Sonata and Evil a few years ago, where Sonata went to the finals in 2020 at the expense of beating Evil and kind of getting that redemption over him. But this was a, a really like strong match between those two. You had to try and get involved, but Yoshihashi and uh, Goto came to chase them away. Uh, and like they were talking about how he got battered in uh, Metalidome, but Yo managed to pull it out. He managed to hit direct drive and uh, get the win over Show. So now they've, they've tied them up and now they've got the rubber match coming at Wrestle Kingdom. I know. Uh, a rubber match, which I'm actually looking very forward to. Um, I think, you know, providing that it stays interference free and just goes down to them, it should be actually a really good match. Uh-huh. Yeah, I didn't like see this coming. Like, it was a hell of a... They talk, they talk about the comeback being on. The comeback was certainly on for, for Yo, and I did not see it coming. So, fair news to you know, the way they, they portrayed this. And then you had, you know, Desperado taking on ELP after that. And then it came down to uh, Hiromu versus Eagles. Whoever won that was basically going to join Yo. And I could have seen either going, but, you know, would it have been a bold decision, do you think, if they'd had Eagles beat Hiromu? So that, you know, Hiromu seemed like an, uh, an obvious bet to get to the finals. But if Hiromu, you know, the defense champion, then somehow managed to not even get to the finals. Would that have been a, a bold choice in your view? I think Eagles um, winning it would have been quite bold after the fact that he kind of he got the belt pretty quickly lost at a game. Well, he, he had that he had that defence over Hiromu, which he retained, which was quite a big surprise. Uh, then lost it back to Desperado, um, further cementing the problem with the, the, the junior belt, which is hot potato, hot potato, hot potato. Whereas yeah. it used to be the junior tag belts that were the hot potatoes. Now the the junior, like the single one's been like, I feel left out. I want to be, I want to be passed around as well. Okay, come join us. <laughs> I I think it would have been quite a bold one. Um, maybe even as I would even go far to say possibly too bold to go with that kind of um, Yon Eagles final just purely on the basis that you'd be kind of stuck in a situation with two faces from the same stable. I think they could have had a little bit of bother with how to book that. So I think the final we ended up with was very suitable. Whereas I'm perhaps not fully in agreement with the actual result. <laughs> yeah. So you had Aroma go through to fight Yo. And I actually think it makes sense, you know, the way that Yo, the way that Hiromu won here and he ends up going to win the tournament. No, spoilers, but you should have seen it already. But I actually think, you know, I put in it was it the right decision. And I think it was because. I know we were kind of, you know, down on Ibushi going into the finals of, you know, winning the A block instead of Kenta, you know, third year, third final in a row and everything. And having, right, fourth final row, sorry, and having, you no know, Okada win again, but that actually made sense. Whereas with Hiromu, it makes a lot more sense than it did last year, because last year it just seemed like it was, Hiromu was the obvious pick against everybody else other than the surprise of Desperado. 
Whereas here, you've had Taromu get injured, come back, seem like, oh, he's going to pick the belt right back again. No, he loses to Eagles in the MetLife Dome. Comes to this tournament, has a bit of a struggle at first. Can't quite beat Desperado again. No, he's just, you know, he goes to a 30 minute draw. He eventually manages to get his way to the final by beating Eagles, a guy he couldn't beat back at MetLife Dome. And then beats Joe, which despite the interference, was still a hard fought match. And now, you know, he and he's going to have a match against even more desperate, uh, even more motivated uh, Desperado because despite the fact Desperado is the defending champion, he's going to probably see himself as the underdog because he's had one loss to Hiromu and then one draw. And he's not been able to beat him yet. Yeah, that's it. The, the long the long setup there, I think you're, you're making a good point there. Like, Hiromu is probably the right person to win it, although we've, we've had this issue back-to-back winners. And, you know, if it, I think it would be the, if, if, for example, if Show was the champion, mm-hmm. Yo would have been the perfect pick to go through. On the plus side, Yo has came out of this tournament looking an absolute star, going from an own four deficit to winnings with seven win uh, to get to end in the league with seven four. Incredible, absolutely incredible. Yeah, he, he was like the second point scorer overall with fourteen points behind. Uh... Into Roma, who had 15 points, obviously odd number because of his tie with with Desperado, and you know I li- I really enjoyed the final. I, I always like that they keep they put the Super Junior final on before like over uh, the World Tie because I couldn't deal with how the Doctor potentially being in the main event. Like even when they were announced to be the semi main event, I thought ah uh, they're not putting this on last because the Hazard Doctor are going to win and they don't want us to feel deflated at the end. I don't I just know it, but thankfully that wasn't the case. But <laughs> Like, uh, it could be because you seemingly had an already set up thing with show that they were probably going to carry on at Wrestle Kingdom. I didn't buy into the main event at points as much as they did last year's. You know, there wasn't that same emotion there they had with Desperado versus uh, Rome in the finals. But, you know, at least the interference in it didn't end up, you know, playing into the finish. They got a good five or so minutes more good wrestling and after that. But, you know, you had show coming out basically. Local cunt tries to ruin it for the rest of us. I know, actually trying to force a no contest in the final, I was like, oh, you can get right to fuck with this. And this is apparently the one where Dick Togo is the one that suggested this to the booking. And Hiromu was apparently furious about it and was like, no, don't do this. And Gato was like, no, no, we're going to run with it. So, no, no, because it really put a big blemish on that final for me, the fact that you had a, like pretty much the longest um, and longest final but a good like five to ten minutes of it is blemished with this bloody interruption of show acting like a petulant child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Like I could have done without, but it did give a good. It did give a good like visual on the outside when you had you know Chase, when you had uh, Goto and Yoshiashi on one side, and then you had Naito and Shingo come out. You know from Lij, gotta be in the corners and make sure that not that the torture didn't come back. And eventually, you had her only picking up the win with Time Bomb 2. But uh, we say note with his match with Eagles, I liked the fact that even right up until the final moment where he dropped Eagles in his match with the Time Bomb 2, you can still see Eagles' legs kicking. Like he's still trying to fight it right up until the last minute. It's just like one of those small touches I really enjoyed. But Hiromu got the win. Yo, like, really starting to, you know, people are starting to see the potential in him again because it did kind of feel like. That all the focus was on show over the last year and a bit. Even when he came back from his injury, 
and he got the match with Desperado. Apparently, his match with Eagles where he won. It was his first singles win in over two years. I know that. I was like, when I heard that statistic, I was like, I beg your pardon. How long? <laughs> yeah, because like he's obviously had an injury. There was a pandemic that that stopped pro, uh, like matches happening for a couple months, and he's a mostly tag wrestler. So it kind of makes saying, oh yeah, you wouldn't have many singles matches, but go on, fuck you. I know too. I mean, he's pretty much went on as big a dry spell as David Hockney. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but the fact that he was saying that so many losses, I thought, geez, are they, are they turning you into the new Yoshihashi? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you think of Hiromu's kind of post-match kind of speech where he was talking about he's now putting like, all my focus on like when to get juniors into the juniors into the main events and said that you know he sees everybody in New Japan's arrival, even even uh, Shingo and Naito. See, I absolutely loved that speech. Um, but like, it's, it's it's like kind of the big thing that Hiromu used is the fact that like, it, like when Osprey went up and they turned around, they pretty much went, "Well, Osprey went up. I'm not moving up. I'm still a junior. I want the junior division to be rightfully spotlighted. And when we get to their placement on the Wrestle Kingdom card, I think he's making a pretty damn good strong point for it these days." Mm-hmm. And they had actually a nice one him with uh, with. Shingo and Naito, where they all sat down to get a photo together. And the thing where they basically nudged them out so they could get a photo just the two of them. And then you had Naito trying to try and constantly get all the trophy and they wouldn't, like, nod, like, don't let Naito touch the trophy. I'm just glad the trophy didn't get broken again. <laughs> yeah, they kept talking about, like, it used to have two wings, now it's just got the one because the gates kept getting broken. But personally, I like the new, I like, I like the current version we've got better. So, you know, there's that. Also, I like the when the bit for the photographer when, uh, when Goto and Yoshiashi are taking a photo of the trophies, you've got somebody behind the camera clearly saying to them, no, turn that one around, no, nudge a bit closer. Like, they're trying to get the perfect, like, end-of-match photo, and, like, so they can replay in, like, packages or whatever, and just get on, like, okay, move a bit closer, please. A little closer. Oops! <laughs> <laughs> oh, but we can't talk about the finals of the Super Juniors World Tag League without talking about probably one of the most important things. And I don't care if you made put it in my notes. But Grant, we, had it, we were teased with an announcement from Shibata. And he said just a few words. Wrestle Kingdom 16, night one. He's got a match. I know, I was I was pretty much, I'm not going to lie, I had a wee tear in my eye when he came out. And his wee suit, all kind of like, I have a match. And I was like, oh my god, he's got a match, he's got a match. And, Still not being confirmed who it's against, or even what the rules are going to be, but we're actually getting a Shibata match. It's happening. It's fucking happening. Yeah, I think after his exhibition with VSG, he said he wanted an actual match. He didn't want to have these rules because also these rules were kind of didn't let him do his full okay, like move set that he used to do. Like even though we're not entirely sure what he can still do in the ring, you know, and you know his health permitting, he can do what he used to do. But do you think, you know? We're, we're going to have an official Wrestle Kingdom preview, you know, coming uh, very soon, but do you think they're going to just keep it a surprise up until the night, or do you think they will announce it? I think it might be left as a, a surprise up until the night. Um, people have kind of thrown out different potential like names. Um, Jay White and Suzuki being quite absent on the cards have been some fantastic ideas, or even the fact that Ibushi is apparently ready to go again. Ibushi doesn't have anything to do with Wrestle Kingdom. And all I thought was, hmm, 
So we're we going to see a murder then. Yeah, like that's a weird idea. Like, ah, oh, Shabbat, you had a really serious head injury, you know, like three, four years ago. Like, and it's your first match back. So we're going to take you in with uh, Minoru Suzuki as your first match. Welcome back. I was looking to think about it because I was like, when you, when you left, when you had to stop, that was after the match with Okada. That was 2017. I mean, at the same time, I'm like, well, he's been out as long as, or if not even longer than some other people that were forced to retire. Like, I'm pretty sure Brian was out at the same time. I think he's been out a little bit longer than, than Brian. But yeah, I think yeah. they are, like, they were both had, like, head and neck kind of injuries and there were concerns about, you know, like, damage to his brain with how hard he hit the head. But so... There's also a different kind of thing to consider there. Yeah, I mean that's that thing. Like both Brian and him are meant to have had sort of well, some level of bleed on the brain, some sort of subdural hematoma. So it was to me the fact that he's been out for longer. And Shibata has made it clear when he trains in the dojo, he t- he does bumps. He's like, I'm going to show you how to do it. So it's clear he's been doing this. And the fact that he has actually taken a bump in the ring to kind of prove it, it's like, look, I can do a bump. See, <laughs> I was I was just like. This this match, it's 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 pretty much got the potential to completely overshadow the entire Wrestle Kingdom card. Mm-hmm. It's like fourth on the actual night one card. You also you got a pre-show match in the other Rambo, you know, for KOPW two thousand twenty-two. You got Show VO opening the show, and then a couple of tag matches that have implications for stuff happening on night two, which. I really thought they'd they'd fix that, you know, because they didn't have any of that with Kingdom 15, and then suddenly they brought it back. But then that's like fourth match on the card, so I think that's the case of like, here's some you know matches, you know, kind of like get you get you settled in for the feel, like right now from the Shabbat one on, like it's all go go go. Here's match of the year, match of the year potentially, like banger after banger for the rest of the card. You know, it's crazy. I'm actually on the New Japan website and it's crazy because they put the, the stat and it was it's 1,199 days have passed since Katsuyori Shibata last wrestled an official match in the New Japan ring. And I'm like, holy shit, that is a long time. It is a long time and I, I guess they said like those three options you gave I think are solid ones. I, I think Jay White, weirdly, I think Jay White is actually the, the least likely of the three given uh, what he's doing in America with New Japan Strong. Basically, I'd kind of almost forgotten about, because I've been so focused on these tournaments, I'd forgotten about when like the timeline was for his, for his coming. I just assumed they'd maybe keep him off Wrestle Kingdom, you know, just to be safe. But the idea of like these two both recently both being out and then coming back, and did we really get to see much interaction between these two when Shabbat was still around? Yeah, that's it. There's, there's a lot of potential there, like the... I think, like yeah, I think we're we're right in saying that Jay White's probably the least likely option. Um, but then I'm also at the same time I'm kind of like, well, if Shibata was to go and batter Jay White, that kind of sets up we hang with the Bullet Club again, and he's got unfinished business with a certain Bullet Club member. Mm-hmm. Kenta. <laughs> I know. I like the fact that he said like, oh, it's a, uh, it's uh like that's a surprise thing, like. Huh. I thought would have thought they would have he would have made a challenge. I would have they would have confirmed who he's first opponent. I either think that if he was going to come back to face anyone, it would have been like that unfinished business with Kenta. So it's interesting to see if they are going to pick uh, back up on that again, or maybe you could, if Okada comes out with the, as the undisputed world, world champion, you could have Shibata say, "My last match was against you for the title. If I hadn't got injured, I, I could have beat you, and I want to prove that I can beat you." 
Aye, that's it. There's there is so much possibility there. I mean, I think I think the speculation for the match is going to go on and on, but I do think they're going to leave it as a surprise for us on the night. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mentioned one thing: uh, the Super Junior and Bob Daily final night did set up quite a few matches for Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, and also, I mentioned that Rambo here. Like it did, they also set up a match for the final night of. Uh, Road to the Tokyo Dome on Christmas Eve. What a Christmas present we're getting here. The final KOPW 2021 Provisional Trophy match. So, see if Yano can go back to back as the King of Pro Wrestling before you know, it all starting again in the Ramble. We've got Yano taking on uh, Yushinobu Kanemaru in a end of year party rules match. Yeah, I looked at the rules of this match and I was like, I'm pretty sure this sounds almost illegal. <laughs> Yeah, like two minute interview intervals in the match, like the competitors have to take a drink and then just keep like wrestling to either they get a pinball submission or like they can't stand up or because they're too drunk. Like I'm pretty sure they did this in ICW as like a Scottish version of the World of Sport rules where they did like three or so minute rounds and at the end of each round they had to take a drink. I know, I was, I was just like and it's the fact that they've even chosen their drinks like Kanemaru's Leading Yano in the official vote for which beverage shall be consumed. He's went for a whiskey and Yano's went for sake. <laughs> and like, I love that this is like of all the matches to get set up at the, at the finals. I didn't think this would be a thing because you said that the Bronoff ends of like a multi man tag, and then just after the match, you had to kind of just pouring out his whiskey right in the eyes and all over uh, Yano. So you know what? Kanemaru had a hell of a run, and the Super Junior Series had a hell of a run as a as a tag team with, Kana, with Desperado this year. Fuck it, let, let Kanemaru be king of pro wrestling this year, because you know Yano's going to somehow get it back in the dome. I know, you, you just know Yano's going to do some shenanigans, like, probably not the exact same as last year's ones, which were probably my favourite shenanigans for how he got into the last four. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, oh, I'm on my way, I'm on my way. I don't need to come in there. Everyone's already been eliminated. Yay! <laughs> yeah. Some interesting matches have been set up uh, for Wrestle from that night. Uh, we have also the two matches, the, the tag titles and the junior title with uh, Oshashi and Hokugo all get their title shot against Dangerous Tigers on night one as well Hiroma get his rematch with Desperado on night one. We've got Shingo and Okada obviously headlining. But uh, after the interference of uh, Ishii trying to stop uh, House of Torture on night one, Ishii's going to make his first defence of his newly won Never Openweight title against Evil. Also, we got the Shibata match. Uh, these tag team match, six-man tag matches on night one include Rocky Romero, Taguchi, and Hiroshi Tanahashi taking on ELP, Taiji Shimori, and Kenta. As in night two, we'll have Rocky Romero and Taguchi and ELP and Ishimori both being challengers for the Flying Tigers. A junior heavyweight tag title match is in a rare three-way tag match, and also Hiroshi Tanashi versus Kenta. You know, Tanashi said, "No, I'll, you know, if you want a rematch, you know, like if Kenta said, I think that he wouldn't give Tanashi a rematch unless there was a stipulation." And Tanashi said, "Fine, pick your stipulation," and decided to go with a no DQ match. Such a, such a rare thing, but the fact that these two have had quite a lot of back and forth over the last year or so, I'm like, yeah, this makes sense. If they're going to kind of put an exclamation point and un- like underline this feud once and for all, this is the way to do it. Yeah, I think Kenta like said it was like, uh, you you put me through that table in our last match. You hurt my back. Like Kenta, it was you who buddy introduced the table in the first place. Like you know the rules of wrestling. You set it up. You must go through it. 
that's it. We don't make the rules, but they must be followed. <laughs> and then there's another six-man tag match on night one with Bushi, Sanada, and Naito taking on Rio Khan, Jeff Cobb, and Will Osprey as uh, Naito and Sanada will be in a singles match. I think Sanada will be Rio Khan, Naito, and Jeff Cobb, Naito. One thing I'm wondering is if like, Will Osprey may have the main event of night two, you think, oh, he was in a J-Wait, I don't want to do anything until I get to that main event on night two. So why the fuck are you wrestling a tag match on night one? Like, why isn't Anari in this spot? I know that that still bamboozles me. I'm, I would have honestly thought they would have put Hanari as the third man for the United Empire and Osprey, perhaps still to come out be a ringside or something like that, you know, um, for the match or to like you know be somewhat of a dickhead during the main. So it does kind of bamboozle me. I'm a little bit annoyed with the fact that it just like they're doing like the six man tag and then it's like next night. We're doing it again, but this time with the stipulation that they're singles matches. Yeah. Also, on night two, you get to have two nights of House of Torture Crap because it's a Torture will defend their six-man tag titles against Yoshiashi, Goto, and Yo. I really want to know what Gedo's got against me. I really <laughs> want to know. Why is he doing this to me? Two nights in a fucking row. Why? <laughs> you uh, absolute um, bastard. Another big bit of news with Wrestle Kingdom is that the uh, the Stardom match that they've been featuring on show, they did it at MetLife Dome uh, Grand Slam, I think, and they did it at Tokyo Dome last year, but these have been pre-show matches. This one's actually going to be on the main card this time. Yeah, I'm uh, this, the Stardom match being on the main card, like the first time in 20 years that the, the women have been on the main card, and honestly, it's a fucking belter of a bout. Like, um, four stables being represented that's got some potentially interesting story work to come from it because of the it's a kind of uneasy alliances and how they decided the teams was literally like a like a lottery um but the, like the ta- talent involved for the stardom one M- mayu iwatani starlight kid tam nakano saya kamatani this is going to be an absolute belter <laughs> I, can, I can imagine so and um, we got Wrestle Kingdom night three, three nights later on, on January eighth uh, against Noah, and you know I thought I thought we were going to see a bunch of like tie matches. I, did, I thought we'd get at least a few singles matches. We are we get a grand total of one, no two. One of them's a Young Lions match. One Fujita representing New Japan against a Noah Young Lion, and shows in a singles match against. You know, I don't even want to pronounce that. You know, I like to think I'm good at these names. This is one because he's a he's a name. Uh, Sushi Katogi. Yes, thank you. I'm not up to date on my Noah. Yeah, like Noah is a little bit like I'm. I'm still rusty on it. I'm trying to learn. Uh, there's some names within the like the Noah card that I do recognise and I have seen their work. And what has pissed me off is the fact that there's some potentially amazing ones that should have been singles matches that aren't happening. That's so annoyed me. I mean, we get to see Okada and Tanahashi teaming up together, which is really theme you know, and the team that includes uh, Keiji Muto, who's still going in his late 50s. Uh, also, Gato decided, oh, I, I want a piece of this. I want to wrestle on night three for some reason. <laughs> and uh, I'm hoping this means Shingo's going to come out as the undisputed champion because I believe on his team with the 10-man tag, they're going to be against the team that also features the current GHC champion. Yeah, that like the um, that was uh, Nakajima. Um, they had a little bit of, like a wee sort of uh, confrontation with each other uh, at the press conference, and like the, the full LIJ contingent against some of these big names. Uh, Keno in particular, it's fantastic to watch. 
he is an absolute superstar. It's just looking at it like I, I think to me the biggest controversy in the entire card is did you notice where Kent is? Yes, yes, I did. Yeah, he's dealing with Sakuraba and Segura uh, against Taka, Suzuki, and Taichi. Who Suzuki and do have a history know as well as they went there for a few years, then came back to Japan. But I remember looking at the card and I kind of adult it like, wait, is that Kent on Noah's side? I know, I was like, wait, I was like, oh my god, they've got Sugihura gun back together against Suzuki gun. This is fucking beautiful. <laughs> like, this is just incredible. Um, I don't know about you, but did you notice anyone big that's perhaps in the previous two nights that is also suspiciously missing? That I feel is a bit of a shock. Uh, Osprey? Yes, where the feck is Osprey? Because I know for a fact Osprey wanted one person in particular from Noah, and the same person in Noah wanted to go at him. And it's a singles match, I think, would be a main event status one, and that would have been Osprey wanted a match with Nomichi Marafuji. Mm-hmm. I would have paid, if see if they'd done that as a singles match, I would have instantly bought the pay-per-view without even thinking about it. Yeah, Marafuji's on the car, he's dealing with Ogawa against uh, Dangerous Takers. Uh, Marafuji's one of the few I'm really, I'm not familiar with, I think he popped up in uh, an Impact for a couple of matches uh, back in like 2019 and I know he had he briefly appeared in New Japan in 2016, like in the G1 and that. So there's a few names I do recognise, but I'm sure these will be, these will be like great matches. But uh, again, I was not expecting it to be as tag team heavy as it is. And yeah, Kenta, you know, I think he did tease this where he did a tweet out said, I'm home. I, the fact that he's a team with Noah. I hope he actually wins his match against Tanaji. Can you imagine the Heat coming out representing a promotion against New Japan while holding a New Japan belt? Oh yeah, definitely. And I, I just can make a point there as well with Dangerous Techers. It's not even Dangerous Techers because it's Sabre Jr. with Kanemaru. Oh yeah, forget but, even. Sorry, these images are too small here. Yeah, Taichi's in a different match. I don't, why have they split up Dangerous Techers? I, I think the big one there is the fact that for Kanemaru, he is arguably Noah's greatest junior heavyweight champion in the, the company's history. Um, mm-hmm. And he did have several classic bouts Marafuji, so I think that's why they've set up that. There is actually, there is I'll give it to them when you actually break down the stories and that there is actually a lot of good reasons behind a lot of these matches. But I think us as fans and just what I've seen people saying, like watching people on Twitter and that in particular, um, the Super J cast put out some questions about it. I think everyone's kind of like, it's all tag matches. And it's kind of putting people off buying the pay-per-view. I think a lot of people are going to wait the week for it to go in New Japan World so they can watch it for free because even I'm a little bit... Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird setup they've got for night three as well. Like in terms of like how you can watch it, it's not as just simple as oh we're put on New Japan World like the other two nights. No, I just try to count how many matches are on that card. It's actually a lot now. I'm thinking it's that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, eleven, eleven. Jesus Christ! Like it's it's almost it's almost uh. Oh wait, sorry. Nine of the matches are main card. Yeah, but still, like even I think the most they got on the other two nights, and most on the main card is seven or eight. So even then, it's an increase. And like, I kind of hope like the order, current order has like the LIG ten man tag at, at the end, but then it says Mac order will be announced at a later date. So I'm thinking if Shingo is still a world champion, he'll be in the main event, or if Okada ends up walking out of night two with the title, then they'll switch that around. And his match team with Tanahashi will be like the main event. But you know. 
is interesting because uh, Okada was asked in a brief press conference saying, oh, you, have you kept up with uh, pro wrestling? No, he goes, no. Why would I? You know, you know, pros don't care, don't really pay attention to what the amateurs are doing. I know, it's like the, the, like the some of the stuff they're like setting up. Um, I'm looking forward to watching Okada and Tanahashi again. I had the absolute luxury of getting to see the two of them against Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. back before the pandemic down in London. Mm-hmm. And Okada and Tanahashi as a, as a tag team, I remember at the time, because it was, you had essentially Suzuki-gun had the ref pro belts, and Okada was still the heavyweight champion. And the chemistry was just like, Tanahashi and Okada as a tag team chemistry, the fact that they've still not really done them as a world tag league team is an absolute shocker, because they, to me, it's, it would be a great way to take both men out of the main main event picture. But still keep them relevant. Let them have a little run the tag division. And this match, I think, is going to show that. Oh, if they put them in World Tag League, they'd, they'd run through the whole body field. They do, they do, a, they do a Goto and Yoshihashi, which is, I, can't, I can't believe is a sentence I'm saying out loud for Tanahashi and Okada. But that's the situation we find ourselves in here. Uh, I, think, I don't know how true this is, but uh, the commentator said in the World Tag League final that Shingo wanted to compete in World Tag League. But uh, the reason also he and Okada were taken out of it is obviously they don't want either of them getting injured before the big main event. Uh, risk of them. And when I say they match because you've got uh, Desperado and Hiromu fighting each other in the semi-main on night one and recently they couldn't settle their differences in under 30 minutes and know how long uh, they like to do their Tokyo Dome main events. I think you can get easily an hour of wrestling out of just those two last matches on night one. Yeah, that's it. There's it's just absolutely nuts. Like I'm, I'm still trying to get my head around all of the stuff that I've seen for three nights. It's like, and we had that whole thing. How are they going to do a third night? Oh yeah, we're just going to do something rather big. You know, just going to get in our promotion involved. <laughs> yeah, and like everything with like Stardom getting a shot on the main card, and the thing with Noah is also he may celebrate the 50th anniversary. And from what I can see on the schedule, they've not actually even announced a, a New Year's dash this year. Because the next thing after this, obviously in the US. You've got New Japan Strong, uh, New Beginning in the USA. But then the next show for New Japan in Japan is not to the 20th of January, which is the start of a series of shows called uh, the Golden New Year's Golden Series, which runs from January 20th up to the 20th of bloody February. So it's just one big long tour. So I want to see what happens there. And then after that, there's nothing else. They're just announcing what's happening with New Japan Strong, because in Strong, they've got teams in in February called Rivals with a weird spray paint job that looks like something out of NXT 2.0 and then you got Strong Style Evolved in, in, uh, in March so I'm assuming uh, this whole New Year's story is going to be like a case of how much I wonder is New Year's Golden Series going into the middle of February, what the fuck's happening with New Beginning? New, uh, New Beginning New Beginning and like Osaka shows are usually around like early February around about 11th, 14th like that like, what the hell is happening there? I know there there seems to be a lot of like things up in there, and like I, I know for a fact that the, 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 there's been talk that this thing with Nola is actually not a one-off, but there's talk that the uh, the fiftieth anniversary show next year is going to involve even more promotions in Japan, mm. which has me excited. <laughs> but yeah, like, I, I was I was like, wait, where's New Year's Dash? Come on, announce New Year's Dash already. Like how else are you going to do your storyline reset every year? I know, like basically, I announce a bunch of matches. Like it's also the gap as well, because usually you have new attacks and then you have like a wee a bit of a gap until you go to the next tour. 
I can't go from the 80s all the way to the 20s without knowing what's going to happen next. Because, you know, it's not going to be a case of you make your challenges on night, it's like night one or two and then you go into the tour. Because then we've got to think about, oh, well, forget about that for now because now we need to fight Noah. No, it's just, there's there's so many things. Because to me, I like the fact that if they were to continue on from like the Noah show being like a start of other stories, well, where does the United Empire fit into this? And that, that then to me like makes me think, wait, what, is Osprey going to lose? And that's why he's not involved in the card. And it kind of is, is telling us one of two people will still be champion at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's very interesting. I think if, it, if it's going however the card is set out, then it basically says that whoever wins Shingo V. Okada is the person that walks into that third night with the, with the gold, uh, which would be you know, an interesting way to go about it, you know, with Osprey not, you know, winning after he's you know, being declared have the real champion. But, you know, we're not going to make it to say two week. Well, we're not going to make official predictions yet because we do have a, a Risk Kingdom preview which will come out, you know, probably either end of the month or a few days at least before Risk Kingdom starts. I think on that show we're going to try and squeeze in a wee bit of a look back as well by basically just giving a couple of suggestions for, like, matches, like, uh, sort of a best of 2021 still thing because you know, it has been up and down, but they managed to squeeze a lot of good wrestling in between. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, they're no doubt going to give us an absolute big, massive surprise. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I've just got this feeling, I was like, because they always do this to us. And this is why we're not doing our Wrestle Kingdom preview at the moment, because they've announced the card. I am suspicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm suspicious too. I think mean, we, we try our best to leave it as close to the time as possible so that we can... You know, get the best you know, idea of it and not, you know, have what we often have happened that something gets announced or something, you know, goes completely the opposite direction of what we thought was going to happen, like literally as soon as the episode is uploaded. Because like, the last thing I want is to speculate, give predictions who uh, Shabbat's opponent's going to be at least the episode. Oh, do you see uh, Shabbat's opponent got announced? Yeah, bastard. I know we don't want to have to do a last minute like edit in the middle of the podcast where it just rudely interrupts it goes, we interrupt this podcast to say that the next 30 seconds are a load of bollocks because they have changed it on us at the last fucking second. They've announced that Shabbat is going to fight Chase Owens. <laughs> They've announced oh. that Shabbat is going to fight Brian Danielson. <laughs> oh, don't, don't, don't threaten me with a good time. I say that would be the dream, but it's not going to happen. No, no, with the current travel restrictions and the fact that the Omicron Persei eight or Omicron Persei nine variant is now in existence. I know, like it's mad. I mean, that we're lucky that we're, this risk is even going ahead at all. You know, at the current at the current time, you know, not with the you know that it, it goes ahead, you no, know, without any issue. But that is going to do us here for East meets West. Like I said, you're going to have plenty of. Japan content around out 2021 and go into 2022. As like I said, we have this episode uh, before Wrestle Kingdom. We're going to have a preview slash look back at 2021. But there's already a Wrestle Kingdom you know, best matches show out uh, on our back catalogue, and we'll have the first show of the year. Uh, Feature wise, will be a Mount Rushmore of New Japan Pro Wrestling. So, you know, if you don't like New Japan, then uh, I'm sorry about the next couple of weeks because there's a lot of it. Because then we got to do our Risk Kingdom review, uh, which will come probably mid-January, and I'm sure those two nights will give us a lot to talk about. So bloody much, I can guarantee we're we're going to sit there and be like, 
Oh, I've got to fucking digest all this now and find a way to get it out. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll try and find a way uh, to make it all, you know, flow together. It can be easier said than done, you know. I'm kind of over out of 11 matches. There are a few matches, you know, against the, against the Noah guys that are just a bit meh. So we can at least skip over them. So it's just one less thing to talk about. Because, you know, January is, is busy enough. You know, Wrestle Kingdom being three nights, day one, the Royal Rumble. But AEW decided to do a, a sh- Oh, Also, on the same night, they're doing the bloody Noah thing. AW's doing that battle of the belts and Impact doing hard to kill. Like, it feels weird to be complaining about the, the sheer, sheer amount of wrestling. I know, but it's like, I have to work to be able to afford to put, watch my wrestling. This isn't fair. <laughs> <laughs> I know, buddy. First world problems here on East Beats West. But, you know, as I say, stay tuned to our back. I'll make sure to subscribe on uh, any Android podcast that you get your podcast, whether it be Anchor, Spotify, or iTunes. And follow us at Suplex Retreat, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Suplex Retreat. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's fair to say that it's becoming, it's about to be the most, you know, wonderful, magical time of the year. I don't mean Christmas. It is indeed that most wonderful, magical time of the year. We've had new Spider-Man. We've had Hawkeye. We have the Book of Boba Fett. We have tons of wrestling. Oh, yeah, Christmas is in there, I guess. Oh, yeah. There's, there's that thing, you know, we've got to give prayers to people. No, if you've got Maybe. COVID like I might. That's what you can hope. That's what you can hope for in your stockings. COVID. Bye, everyone. <laughs> there now follows an enthusiastic advertisement for Quiz Showdown. Hello, guys. Welcome to Quiz Showdown. I'm Daniel Campbell, and in the show, you're going to see the members of the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet team go through a very strange quiz. We don't know what the heck's going on with it, but you're going to have to watch to find out. Go check out on the YouTube channel now. That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown.